Vashadashem. This is Parashat Korach, 57.79. I'm in Atlantic City, New Jersey. Just uh, right here in Atlantic City. It's early morning. Walking on the boardwalk. But I wanted to record continuing in the series on manifestation, congealment, manifesting ourselves. I plan to explore a little bit a section from a book called Peak Sharing, which is a pretty seriously in-depth Kabbalistic work, um, which the, the vast majority of it is above my head, um, but certain pieces of it are great. All of it is amazing, um, but some of it I want to try to bring down to my level to share. So we're in Nativ Shirat Akeli, the discussion of the idea of shattering of the vessels, the idea of the cataclysmic shattering of reality, the cataclysmic shattering of the vessels of this world and their ability to house and contain godly light that they were intentionally shattered in the setup of the universe essentially to create the space for free will that the vessels shouldn't automatically just come out and express the perfect place I was thinking over Shabbos a little bit that we say over and over that Hashem is the Makomosha Olam, that God is the place of the world. All over the Mishnah, all over the writings of the Oral Torah, Hashem is referred to as Hamakom, the place. That He is the place of the world and the world is not His place. And just for a second, what does that mean? That we also say in the davening, in that climactic part of the Kedusha, during the repetition of the Amida, when we say Kedusha, we say, Holy, 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 Hashem is Holy. There's a line that we say, From His place, He should turn to us in mercy. So the place then clearly is a source of good stuff, a source of mercy. So what is this place? What does it mean that Hashem is called the place? What does it mean that he's called the place of the world? And how does that contrast with the idea of time? Okay, so a bunch of questions throwing them out. This got me thinking, what, if you had to ask someone, what is your more primary experience in life? Place or time? Space or time? I think if we really think about it for a second, the answer is time for sure. I'll give you a few proofs of this. I'll try. First of all, since everything we know is in flux, is changing, that, therefore, is our primary experience. This is why we really don't feel like we experience space and place so much. To me, at least, I really think this is true. I feel deeply this is true. The true idea of space, of a place, is an idea of being settled. 
it says in Shabbat something like, I don't know the exact verse, but like, Teshev Makomo, Ish Yoshev Makomo, each person should settle in his place. I'll take Tzemi Makomo Biyom Shabbat. Don't leave your place on Shabbat. Because there's a general mitzvah hinted to in this verse that on Shabbos we are not supposed to leave our space. If we are residing in Shabbos in a village or a city, there's a certain thing called a tchum uh, that you can't walk more than 2,000 units of distance outside your city. Forget carrying anything. You can't even walk too far. Because Shabbos, as opposed to the other six days of the week, Shabbos is that time that we actually get to taste space. For a minute, for a day out of the week, we get to be in our space. We get to be home. We don't feel homeless. During the week, we feel homeless, even in our homes. Why? Simple. Let's say your mortgage isn't paid off. Or even your mortgage is paid off. But God forbid, something could always happen to your house. Something could always happen to a person's basic stability in space. We are not rooted in space. Why? Because things are constantly changing. I have to go here. I have to go there. I have to leave my place. Why? Because of time. Because during the six days of the week, time is dominating. And as far as quantity of moments of our lives, it is this aspect of time incessantly driving us, making us feel spaceless, making us feel homeless. That is six, six out of seven of the moments of our lives, assuming we keep Shabbos. So Shabbos, we get a taste of space. We get a taste of coming home, of things coming in to be themselves and settling and not feeling uprooted. Baruch Hashem. I mean, I just had Shabbos. This is uh, Yom Rishon, the uh, Parashat Korah. So a few other fascinating things on this. Space versus time. So the word time is amazing. It, um, as I heard recently from Rabbi Rosenfeld, uh, amazing shiur that and we saw this also in Rabbi David Vallee, that zman, the word time, has the connotation of zimun, to be summoned, to be invited, that we feel like we're constantly being summoned or invited to a new experience. Also, if you look at the numerical value of zman, zayin mem nun is numerical value of 97. It's a fascinating tradition that if you add the word for man, Adam, which is 45, with behema, animal, the word for animal, which is 52, 45 plus 52 equals 97, equals zman, equals time. Time is man plus animal. What is that? Very, very deep things. Getting into the deep metaphysical structurings of the universe but I'll just leave it that the idea is the level of man the level of a human being 
is called the Tzalem Elohim, the image of God. That the ideal person is his heavenly self really residing in perfect heavenly space, right? Talking about space. That a person in the structure of his creation where he's created as a perfect being has this storehouse of all good things he could do, all good godly things he could express in the world. This person could always really express tremendous generosity. This person could always express tremendous dedication to learning. This, this person could always express uh, faith in hard times. That's the Adam, that's the person. But what? But we need to express ourselves in time. So we have this heavenly abode where we reside as all our potential good things. That's the level of man. That's the level of Adam. That's called Adama Elyon, or connected to the idea of Adama Elyon, the upper man. But there's identified in Kabbalah as the Olam HaAtzilut. But there's this other level called the animal level, called Behema. And that is where we talk about the Nevesheh the animal soul, all our selfish inclinations. Like a child is born so selfish, I mean so sweet and cute, but so selfish and self-centered, like amazing. And this is the beautiful meditation here. It's the interaction of that timeless residing space of perfection called the upper man, each person's upper root, where he exists as a real human being in his upper place that is pure and not subject to tainting. His ability to express that perfection in time is as his perfect self residing in that perfect heavenly place. It descends down into the zones of the animal level, into the zone of the different levels of the uh, animal soul. I don't know if you hear that music. You know. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> a person uh, res- descending down into the level of the animal soul. I'm laughing right now. I love this. I just did that. I'm walking around the casino area of Atlantic City. I just wanted to see it. In the morning, right? Nobody's here in the morning. All right, one second. Uh, oh, here we go again. Yeah, so I walked into this epicenter of Nefesh of Bahamis. I'm just being honest, right? It's <laughs> just all this junk food, junk time. I might need to leave because I didn't know there'd be all this uh, annoying music. Anyway, oh, maybe it stopped. So the only way to express our perfect selves that, oh, all right, I'm going to have to get out of here. All right, maybe it stopped. 
So the only way to express this perfect residing upper man residing in his perfect place is for it to, in order to express it in a sequence in time as developing is that every day that it, the soul is sent into this world, into a body, every day of a person's life. So yeah, these ads aren't stopping it. I'm getting out of here one second. All right, so these ads are coming in like every 30 seconds. I'm just going to keep talking, getting out of here, back towards the quiet part of the boardwalk. Okay, anyway, so the aspect of the pure soul residing in its perfect untainted place it can only express in time by descending every day of a person's life into the body to express in the animal soul and transform the animal soul so that we now understand and conceptualize time as the time that it takes for a person to build out their pure godly soul to build it out and express it in the zone of the animal soul if we looked at the animal soul as a great broken shattered field of construction pieces that i've got to pull together in order to express my bod- my godly soul in a body day by day such that i'm literally building myself manifesting my soul carving it into my body carving it into my animal soul into my selfish life force so it would take my entire lifetime to sculpt myself to construct myself by using the blueprint of my godly soul and etching it into my animal soul level my life selfish life force level that resides in my body so all the the logic of time in my life the logic of time and sequence and process which sets up the idea of obstacles and delayed deferred expression which creates difficulty is in this interaction between the level of man and the level of animal which creates time So that man, 45, plus animal, 52, creates the setup of time. So obviously this is the setup of becoming, struggle, transformation, work, which is the idea of the six days of the week, where the idea of time is the dominant experience, which is the idea of struggle. The idea of struggling to express myself, to carve my holy structure into the raw, unfinished material of my animal urges and to transform and mold and sculpt my animal urges to match those of my godly urges, that takes time. And that's the focus during the week. And that's our dominant experience. Six-sevenths of our life is that type of experience. That's the dominant expression of time, where in that, in those moments of transforming ourselves in this way, we feel uprooted. We feel spaceless. We feel like the sculpture which we are attempting to sculpt, that we are trying to mold and sculpt our animal 
energies to make them express our godly energies and our godly form, that in the process of that work, we feel like we're not in our place. We are trying to lock things into place. But while we're still working, we're still sculpting, they are not yet, they haven't yet settled into their space. By Shabbos, we have sculpted ourselves in a certain way during the week, and on Shabbos we get to enjoy that, that, we, that which we created, that which we expressed of ourselves. Okay, one second. Okay. So on Shabbos is when we get to experience space, is when we get to experience that structure of myself, which I got to express and manifest in the lower manifested world. Shabbos is when I get to just enjoy who I am. That's the idea of space. That's the idea of connected to the idea that Hashem is called the place of the world, but the world is not his place. That means that the true idea of space, of being settled, of what the thing really is, what its structure really is in the heavenly structure of it, the heavenly nature of the world and of each person, we talked about it's called Eretz Achayim, the upper land. That is Hashem's place. That is the place, ultimately, in the highest, highest spaces. It says the angels praise Hashem from His place. True space. The real place is beyond even the levels of the highest angels because they are also still becoming, many of them, most of them. If an angel means a messenger, a shliach, so that that word for angel, a malach, comes from the word malacha, work. Those actions which we are forbidden to do on Shabbos, those actions which represent transforming the world. Even the angels, in a sense, do malacha. These godly messengers coming down to make transformations, so they also, in a sense, feel spaceless. They also, in a sense, are in this realm of always becoming, always transforming, therefore being uprooted, unstable, not quite being where they are. So the true place, the true space that is totally solid and totally secure is super, super high, even beyond the world of Atsilut, in a sense, because in the world of Atsilut, there's still this aspect of the development of Atsilut, the development of the revelation of all of God's blessings, <clears throat> whatever, this is getting beyond even what I understand, but <clears throat> so space, true place, true idea of God's will for the world, of that perfect structure that exists in his place, that is constantly coming down to express itself in our swirling, wavy, hazy space that is constantly changing in time. So space, then, is an experience that we only really touch on Shabbos. But what we mainly experience is time, is the constant unfolding and ever-present sense of becoming something new, which is really rooted in the idea of man, the idea of an upper structure of goodness, 
coming down to carve itself and transform an animal level. Okay, so let's look a little bit. And so that's why I feel like our ex experience of time is primary over our experience of space. But anyway, let's look a little bit in this Pitre Shine to get a little bit more of an idea on this. So we're in Nativ Shirat Akalim, sixth chapter. Ve'ata tirei niflaos ha'ich ha'adam atachton asher hu tselim u'demus kol almin v'chol ma shemadabrim l'mala ha'kol hubo. That we see miracles that a person in his lower manifestation, like ultimately in the body, he is a reflection, he's a miniature universe, and his whole experience, and he's transforming his thoughts, his emotions, trying to express his godly soul within the parameters of his animalistic urges. This is a miniature conglomeration or summary of universal processes. that what he's basically saying is what we've been talking about that just as there's this as he's been discussing this general idea that in the universal structure itself there's this concept of the evil inclination like somehow this idea of the evil inclination it spreads out like a net to capture the whole realm of manifestation, the whole realm of unfolding time and space, that just as we feel that our evil inclination, it's like so amazing, you know, we're adults, we're mature, but we still do things that we know we shouldn't do, that are against our better interest, that we sabotage ourselves. What is this? It's like, why? Like, I, I know what to do, logically, there's, I need to do A, B, and C, and that will certainly be right but, but what is this this experience this, these urges these fears these negative sad ways of looking at life what, what are they all mixed up in me that just really bother me that these are the they are tied together with all of these energies all over the universe that just as a person has his blocks that block him and fight him from just simply like doing the normal right thing. So too, a person has these blocks, which while they are frustrating, they are also necessary so that we can have a life in time so that we would uh, not just be perfect, but we would be able to become and create ourselves or express ourselves through uh, effort without that evil inclination constantly throwing up obstacles in the way, it wouldn't be a life. It wouldn't be, we wouldn't be, so to speak, self-made people in the sense that Hashem created us, but 
we have the choice of are we going to express the, perf- the perfect structure in which we were created like the creator made us he created us in our perfection and he said finish creating yourself by expressing yourself by battling the resistance of the evil inclination to, to express yourself in his zone in the zone of the evil inclination through that time it would take so just as we all experience that individually the universe is going through that on a large scale it's like why can't we just have Mashiach Messiah why can't we just have world peace what's taking so long (laughs) and that there's this amazing deep hint that just as we're going through our individual struggles and it's like why can't we just like get it together sometimes so it's also like why can't humanity just get it together why can't we just make a perfect society like it's not that hard be kind share or one person is lacking resources because of this or that problem you know help them out where a person could prevent himself from doing stupid things and losing his resources like don't do that thing like why can't we all just get it together (laughs) but because there's an evil inclination all around it's very interesting and it's okay like it's it makes things very interesting that just as our lives are very very interesting because of our evil inclination so it's brought that like basically that's why history is so interesting because of the evil inclination that spreads out all over the universal unfolding process of history slowing it down making it hard creating lots of twists and turns choosing that the expression of humanity because he was all of humanity that the expression of humanity through history of the human race as one being to express itself through history should be through a tremendous war with the evil inclination creating many calculations many many daily dramas instead of just that man sorry that God made man straight that he could have just expressed himself in a straight shot into all his realms of manifestation, like quickly, smoothly, like butter. <laughs> you know, could have been like that. <laughs> could have been smooth. Now it's many calculations, lots of accounting, lots of taxes, lots of stock markets, lots of drama. Lots of companies, lots of families, lots of wishes, lots of wonderings, over and over and over. Anyway, that's all thanks to the evil inclination. All right.
There's a verse that says all things that Hashem made were for his sake, which the Rebbe is saying here, that all of the person's limbs were only designed to express the will of the Creator. But based on what he's saying here and in other previous chapters and future chapters, when he says, now listen, key in here, when he says that the limbs of a person, his limbs, his avarim, all of his organs, extremities, were created only to do the will of the Creator, he's not just saying like, oh, you have a hand, and it was made to, to give charity, not to hit someone, right? Etc., etc. You were given a brain, it was meant to think holy thoughts and not, you know, not holy thoughts. He's not just saying, okay, like, look at your body, okay, do the right thing with your body. He's saying that, but he's saying also on a much deeper level. When we talk about all of your limbs and her limbs and his limbs, we're talking about every, and this goes to the last recording that I posted, we're talking about every positioning in the coordinates of time and space that those limbs could ever configure in. So you're, you could find your head on the boardwalk in Atlantic City. You could find your head sleeping on a bed. You could find your hand wrapping tefillin over there in Israel. You can find your hand, unfortunately, getting in a fist fight. You can find your hand giving charity in uh, India. Those are really your limbs that were created in the secret of creation. So this is a big hint. The way I understand it, I, I feel fairly, fairly strongly certain that I'm right about this. That when we talk about, we keep hearing about the shattering of the vessels. That at the beginning, Hashem had these vessels that were to contain His light, and they shatter, and that we're constantly fixing these shattered vessels. What that means is the shattered vessels are the smashed apart possible coordinate positionings of ourselves in time and space. Alright? So that's very beautiful because the only reason a person can travel around the world and have free will and use his hands to do something good versus use his hands to do something bad, etc., is because of this shattering. This creates the whole playing field of free choice and possibility. And as we've been talking about, within this space of possibilities, these what's called the olamatohu, the ethereal space of possibility, the what the quantum physicists might call quantum possibility fields. So inherent in that space, it looks empty. It would seem like each moment is coming from an ethereal nothingness. Like, where is this moment coming from? What's holding it together? What's the space? What's the metaphysical grounding that it's coming from? The answer is it's the realm of the shattered vessels that we are still encountering, where we are still encountering different possible positionings, permutations, configurations of ourselves, and we get to choose how that manifests. And in our choice of how it manifests, 
if we do it according to a mitzvah. Mitzvah literally means, comes from the word safta, a connection. It means that we are linking that possible configuration, positioning of ourselves in time and space. We are linking it to the godly will. We are reattaching it to the godly will. So every minute a person is studying Torah, every minute a person is even just in their heart praying to Hashem to help them to manifest their good self and to transform their evil inclination that it should express their good inclination, that they should transform their animal urges, that it should express their godliness rather than block it. Every time that we are trying to manifest properly, despite all our humiliations and our failures, and that we fail 99% of the time, it seems, really, according to like perfect truth, we are never quite perfect, and there's always some smidgen of failing. That's just true. Every time a person is putting forth effort, he's doing a mitzvah. He's linking his godly soul to his animal soul in time to express himself in these possible coordinates in a good manner. So that's when what the Rav is really saying, that a person's limbs were designed, that they were only designed to express the will of their creator. But as he's about to say, on the other hand, these limbs were in their in their default creation were created not that way that they were created in this great zone of shattered broken energy that was the domain of the evil inclination those those raw materials those construction pieces of like the stuff that i inhabit when i express myself those passions, those inclinations to eat, to be selfish, to have pleasure, to have honor, that I feel like in my body like a burning fire, that the evil inclination is called the burning fire, that it says that the fires of Gehenna are lit up by the evil inclination, God forbid... So those are also my limbs that were created. So they were created the opposite, in the opposite nature, that they are burning and swirling and they're stormy and they don't want to express the will of the Creator at all. So the, the Rav is going to explain, so then what, it was, what does he mean that the limbs were only designed to do the will of the Creator? And that's when we discuss, just a little bit, that's when we discuss the Holy Sparks. We know that there are these, uh, this, these shattered vessels, these shattered positionings of myself in possible time and space, in my possible expressions in time and space that I'm constantly encountering and fixing into position, either in a mitzvah, that I should connect that positioning to a godly positioning, or God forbid, in an avera, in a sin, which means a crossing over, which means that I cause that positioning to cross over into the other side, God forbid, of not positioning in a godly way. So those are the shattered vessels, but the idea of the fallen scattered sparks are those sparks of potentiality in those energies, those passions, those possible positionings, which 
sexual inclination is trying to pull into its zone, into its sitra akra, into its other side, to try to pull my manifestation in my body and in my nefesh, in my life force. It's trying to pull me into its zone to express in this moment or in this moment, in this coordinate of time and space, something negative rather than something positive, to pull me to use my hand to hurt rather than to give, God forbid, but there are sparks, there are holy sparks also that fell down with those shattered vessels that even though the nature of the shattered vessels is that they try to pull away from the godly zone, from the godly space to manifest their independence and try to be in their other side, their sitra akhra, their other realm not nullified to the intended structure of heaven to the intended space of heaven. So even though, in a sense, that's the default state of the shattered vessels, on the other hand, there are these sparks of holiness, these sparks of hope, these sparks of potential in that zone of the evil inclination that we can find what we mean, what we mean and what we talk about, raising holy sparks, it means that when we enter into those future scenarios, and we get to move into this moment and step into this moment and step into this future, step into this ethereal future and manifest and conglomerate and congeal ourselves, expressing in that moment the potentiality of stepping into that bodysuit, of entering into that possibility and manifesting it and fixing it into place, which is called a tikkun. This is called tikkun olam, that every second a person is doing a mitzvah. It's called in a very deep place tikkun olam, which means that he is repairing the universe because the universe is really one interconnected system of energy which flows and sways together, such that, listen very carefully, when a person in this moment or in this moment he fixes himself into position. He locks himself into a good position. He locks himself into a good configuration. He takes that possible moment of an iteration of himself. And that he could have, it could be an iteration of a sin. It could be an iteration of losing control. But instead, he makes it an iteration of manifesting his godly soul, manifesting just another sliver of the structure of his full storehouse of goodness, that a little sliver of that full storehouse of goodness, which is his true godly nature, was able to come forth and express in that moment in time. When he fixes himself into position, and really especially when it comes through some form of suppressing and pushing away of his chafia, they call it, of really fighting an urge and taking that energy and specifically rescuing that potential fall, that potential of being captured into the other side, and he instead fixes it into position through a mitzvah, and he takes that possible iteration of himself that was struggling to pull him into a bad iteration and he pulls it instead into a good iteration, that is the ultimate 
moment of tikkun olam because the whole universe at that point through his battle through his war by reclaiming and recapturing that territory and pulling it into the territory of holiness that literally it was in a territory of evil inclination that it was trying to be pulled into the other side of the universe it's like how do you put this into words it's so deep but when he manifests here's the point when this person manifests in that moment when he's trying to be pulled and to do something bad and through effort and through constant practice and through changing his the way he thinks and feels through through studying through praying over and over and he then confronts that challenge which was waiting for him from the six days of creation as we explored that they were musudaro to bow to Shishis and Ibrishis. That a person's sins are marching towards him like an army that was arranged in rank and file from the six days of creation. Like every moment, basically, especially those moments where he's struggling with his evil inclination, he is marching forward on the battle lines confronting another sent- sentinel of the evil inclination which is this draw to be pulled into a negative configuration in that moment, and then in that moment, and then in that moment. Every time he vanquishes his evil inclination in that moment, he then expands the boundaries of holiness. He fixes himself into the good configuration rather than the bad configuration. This is really tikkun olam. This is really reattaching that energy to the entire integrated universal structure of holiness. I can't put it into words any other way. I mean, I can keep doing it, but I don't want to. And I just got to say, like in my own personal experience, like trust me, um, I mess up a lot. But, you know, Shabbos always, always restores me, always renews my power. Like after Shabbos, I always feel like, okay, you know, I'm totally light again. I'm totally refreshed. I'm totally happy. I'm totally clear. And, you know, we march through the week and we get bruised. We get hurt. We get frustrated by the amazing war. But it's an amazing war. And the reward is fantastic. We're literally reclaiming the, the realms of experience and attaching them to the holy structure of the universe. I mean, we're building Hashem's palace out in this world. I mean, what can it be greater? What could be a greater privilege? You know, the Pirkei Avot says, Chavi v'adam shenib rabitzelem, chiva yeterash nodad lahem that dear endearing is man that he was created in the image of God even more endearing is that Hashem let us know we were created in the image of God and what I think this means is okay like everyone has this beautiful perfect root but if you don't know what that is and how that interacts and interfaces with your life so big deal so you have this these these amazing tools 
But if you don't even know what they are and what they're for and how to use them to manifest in this life, so that's not so great. So that's why I believe that the Pirkei then continues and says, like, can't remember exactly the Lushan, but says, Yisrael is very endearing to Hashem that he gave them the Torah, which is called his Clio Amunata, that the Torah is called his great instrument that he uses to create reality, create worlds. But even more endearing is it to Israel that he gave them the Torah. And sorry that he let them know that he gave them the Torah that creates worlds. Which again means like basically if a person has this awareness, like what's going on when I follow the instructions of the Torah? What does that mean? So the Pirkavot there defines the Torah as that item which creates worlds. Okay? So what that really means is that it gives a person awareness that when you overcome that temptation over there, and when you overcome your selfishness over there, and when you overcome your anger over there, and you follow the Torah, and you do the right thing instead, what you're actually doing is you are expanding the whole world. You're doing tikkun alam. You are magnifying and augmenting the entire structure of holiness by recapturing that moment and putting it into the holy universe, into the holy side, the Sitra de Kedusha, rather than the Sitra Akra, rather than the other side. And so what that, pir- that statement in Pirkei means is it's great to have those potentialities to do that. It's great to have this godliness inside of you that you could do that, that you could literally be that godly soul that is attached to God himself which has so strong that it's able to reclaim the structure of holiness and wrestle it from the grips of the other side. But if you don't know that it, you can do that, and more, moreover, you don't know that that's what the game is. You don't know that that's what the score is. Then how are you going to do it? So again, if we have these these tools of godliness but we don't know how to use them so not so great you got to know how to use them but more than just knowing how to use them like here i have all these mitzvot they tell me what to do and how to generally be and how to generally poise myself in all situations but more than that the greatest endearment is that you know the score that you're aware of this wow, that's called fixing up the universe, that my manifestation in a body is just the final link of a chain of a huge repair of all the worlds, you'll be so inspired to reach out to the heights. I'm going to stop here. Uh, Willing, we should have a good week.